Morning, everyone. It's just a wee bit of technical difficulty there at the start, but we got it sorted out. Um, it's, it's good to be back amongst you again. Um, we were in Avoca last week for a week, but it felt like we were in the Titanic a couple of days because it was raining, pelting down, but we had a lovely time. And uh, just want to thank Alvin and Norman uh, for standing in for me the last two Sundays, and also Alvin, who's been very faithful in, in doing some hospital visits for me uh, during that time. But unfortunately, it is with deep regret uh, that I announce the death of Mr. Or Mrs. Molly Hampton, who passed away on early Friday morning. Um, now Molly, she was one of Bally Crocken's uh, original members. She told me about meeting in, a, in the shed. Uh, she'll be sorely missed by this congregation, and uh, her funeral will take place on Tuesday at half past one here from the church. And our thoughts and our prayers go out to Joe and to Julie and to James and Joanne at this difficult time. There'll be a Kirk session meeting this Tuesday evening, half past seven by Zoom. Um, next Sunday will be our communion service. Uh, next Sunday afternoon, there'll be a worship meeting. Uh, we want to ensure that worship is relevant to absolutely everyone in the church, uh, from old to young and every stage in between. Uh, we're going to have a worship meeting next Sunday afternoon at three o'clock in the church. Anyone who's wanting to be involved in worship on a Sunday morning is very much invited to come as we seek to glorify God in this place through our worship. Also, anyone who would like to come and share their feelings, you don't have to be involved in the worship, but if you want to share your feelings on the topic, uh, it's a very important subject and you're very welcome to come along. Uh, may I make a personal invitation for all the young people involved in the Sunday Club and the Youth Fellowship. All of them are invited to come along and to talk about what they would feel would be beneficial in worship on a Sunday morning. Heartfelt, spirit-inspired worship is absolutely critical for God to feel free to move amongst his people. So James writes in James 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And there's a committee meeting on Tuesday the 27th of September, half past seven in the church. Um, please note also that whilst the PW Circle of Friends was due to meet tomorrow evening in view of the recent news of the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, as a mark of respect, the meeting will now not take place. And also, Messy Church is back, but we need your help if you are free to help Ben in any way on Sunday, the 23rd of October. Please contact him by this Friday if you can. That's the 16th of September. And details of Ben's email or phone number are on the front of the order of service. And just one final announcement is that there'll be no tea or coffee just this afternoon. Um, but I want to start the service this morning with Hebrews 13, verse 8, and 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Hebrews 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And there's a couple of things just I take from that. 
from those two verses. One is that Jesus is our rock. He is faithful. He is steadfast. He is unmovable. And we can trust him. And the other thing would be that in from 1 Peter 5, verse 7, that you can come and bring all of your burdens, all of your worries, all of your anxieties, and leave them at his feet. So what we're going to do now, just perhaps we're going to start with prayer. Um, and you've possibly heard, I think I've said before about this little technique. It's quite an old technique of hands up, hands down. And hands up is when you're handing something over to God. And maybe you feel this morning burdened by something, worried by some, about something, anxious about something, and you just want to hand it over to God. And then hands down, you leave it with him. So as we come, and we've had maybe a busy week, we just want to come and bring whatever's on our heart to God. And then hands down, leave it with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your son is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we thank you that we can come to him and cast all our cares before him because he cares, incredibly cares for each of us. Father, we want to start this service by taking any burdens that we have come in with on our shoulders. We want to just, in a physical way, Lord, hands up, surrender them to you. Let's just take a moment to do that. Father, we want to surrender to you uh, the, the, the family, the Hampton family, Molly's family, Lord Julie and Joanne and Joe and James, and we pray that you would be with them, that you would reach deep into their hearts, Father, where men's words cannot reach, but your spirit can heal and touch and soothe. And then hands down, we want to leave them with you, Father, and any other burdens that we've surrendered to you, we want to leave them down before you, knowing that you are able, that you are able, God, to make a way, to do what is immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start with contemplative worship, but to think about, think about what you have handed over to God. Think about who he is and what he has for you and what he can do for you, and that he has all of your days in his hands. And it's God of all my days by casting crowns.
Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask Ben to come up. He's going to uh, take his first children's address this morning with us. And uh, uh, it's good to have him here. And I hope you encourage him. So we'll hand it over to Ben. Hello? Oh, it works good. Yes, good morning, boys and girls. Good morning, bigger boys and girls as well. Uh, if you haven't met me yet, I'm Ben. I'm the new community outreach worker here at Ballycrocken, and I'm very excited to speak to you all this morning. Okay, so now, boys and girls, I'm going to do something very naughty today. We're in church. We're all standing before God or sitting. But I need to tell you all a lie. Now... Lying's not good. Do not lie, okay? Don't take this as permission to lie. But I'm going to tell you three things about myself. And you have to determine what, which one of the things I say is a lie. Okay. So the first thing is, I have never broken a bone. The second thing is, my middle name is Richard. The third thing is, I regularly talk to the President of the United States of America. Okay, so again, I've never broken a bone, middle name's Richard, and I regularly talk to the President of America. So if you think that the first one about me breaking a bone is a lie, put your hand up. We'll allow everyone in this as well. Oh, I see a few hands, okay. Okay, fair enough. Uh, if you think I'm lying about my middle name being Richard, put your hand up. Oh, no. oh a few, again. I think I see the same hand up twice there, but that's all right. Finally, if you think I'm lying when I say I regularly talk to the president, put your hand up. Oh, guys, come on, I'm not that bad. Yes, of course, the third one is the lie. I do not regularly talk to the president, because how could a normal guy like me talk to someone so powerful like the president? Well, if that's so outlandish to talk to someone as powerful as the president, how much more outlandish is it that we as Christians say that we not only talk to the president, but we talk to the king of kings. We talk to the God of the universe on a regular basis. You see, when we pray, that's what we're doing. We're talking to God, and he is so big and so powerful. And David puts it well in Psalm 18:6 when he says, I cried to the Lord, and from his temple he heard my cry. Now, does anyone here live in a temple? Oh, I thought there'd be one person who'd put their hand up and be that guy. No, of course, because it's powerful people who live in temples. It'd be cool to live in one, but powerful people live in temples. But how much more powerful is God who lives in heaven, which is the temple of all temples, the heavens declared as amazing and majestic throughout the Bible, and that's where God reigns because he's the king of kings. He's so powerful, and yet we can talk to him. And Jesus, when Jesus tells us how we should talk to God, how we should pray, he says, our Father who lives in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that big fancy word hallowed, it just means to set something apart, to make it holy, because God is so big and so good and so powerful compared to us who are so tiny and not so good. You see, God's name deserves set apart. It deserves respect. But at the same time, Jesus starts with saying, our Father. Now, I want you to have a wee think. Who is scarier to talk to? If you felt confident, would you rather talk to your dad 
or to the President of the United States. And I think most of us would feel more comfortable talking to our dad because the President's so powerful and why would he care about my tiny little worries, about my tiny little anxieties? Whereas our dad or someone in our family who we trust is someone that we can confide in, someone that we trust, someone that we know loves us. And you see, that's like God for us as Christians. That although he is still powerful and still deserves respect, he's also our father. And we can put our, all our cares on him because we know that he loves us, we know that he'll listen to us, and that he cares for even small people like us. So whatever age you are, Cast your anxieties on God because he's like your father and he cares for you. And so that is awesome. Prayer is awesome. I'll be learning more about it as the weeks go on. But just why not go home and give prayer a go? Maybe ask your parents, how do I pray? How does this whole prayer thing work? Because how cool is it to think that we can talk to the God who created absolutely everything in the universe? You know, I'm older and I think that's still incredible, as I'm sure you all do. So we're going to sing an absolute classic. And if any boys and girls would like to come up and volunteer to do actions with me, that would be much appreciated. Even any bigger boys and girls, if they want to do the actions, feel free. It's uh, one you all know. It's my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. Um, but I'll lead the actions anyway. And I want to see all of you give it some oomph. Yeah? Good. Thank you. class uh, if you wish to go out now uh, now is your time and the crash if any young children we have a crash just to my left there just through that door and into the left uh, into the left hand side and there'll be people there you can leave your children there and come back in if you wish into the service Been, uh, it's been quite a week with a, a new Prime Minister appointed and our Queen 
passing away at the age of 96, having served faithfully for 70 years. And we're called by God uh, in his word to pray for our leaders. Uh, we'll pray, so we're going to pray for the Prime Minister Liz Truss. We're going to pray for our new king, King Charles III. And I'd also like to pray for Christians around the world um, who are being persecuted uh, for their faith across 76 countries altogether more than 360 million christians suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith it's an increase of 20 million since last year an increase of 20 million let's pray jesus christ our king of kings our lord of lords you reign supreme, above all, seated at the right hand of your Father. And we come to you and we ask that you give wisdom to our new King, King Charles III. We thank you for the faithfulness of his mother over 70 years. We thank you for her faith in you and the example which she set. We pray that you would be a comfort to her grieving family at this time. And we pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would give him wisdom to reign as you would have him reign. May he seek you for the strength that he does not have. May he stand for what is right and true. And may you guide him in every decision he has to make. May his faith become deeper and his life spiritually richer as he draws close to you for leadership and guidance. We pray also, Lord Jesus, for Liz Truss. What a task she has to guide us through this next year, through what may be for many a very testing year financially. We pray that you would give her wisdom also and strength to carry the load of responsibility which she now carries. Lord, please guide her in the steps she takes regarding our own little province, help her to get this country politically back on track. May you guide what she says and what she does. She's going to need the wisdom of Solomon to weave her way through Northern Ireland's political maze. We pray, guide her, make a way for her. Lord Jesus, we pray. And we pray also for all those who suffer for their faith, Forgive us, Lord, for forgetting our brothers and sisters in Christ. When we feel comfortable, we tend to assume that it's an easy road for everyone. But many have suffered, burnt out of their homes, family members killed, many held in prisons, just for declaring their faith in you as their Lord and Savior. Please come to them wherever they are and whatever they face. Bring them your encouragement and your strength and grace. Echoing prayer for the suffering church, we pray. Bring hope, O Lord, to thy suffering people. In their anguish and pain, be thou their hope. Bring hope, O Lord, to thy persecuted people. In their despair, be thou their hope. Bring hope, O Lord, to thy needy people. In their hunger and thirst, be thou their hope. Bring hope, O Lord, to thy dying people. In the hour of their death, be thou their hope. In the name of Jesus, our hope, we ask all of these things. Amen.
stand and worship God with love, divine all loves excelling. share with you uh, a few verses from James this morning, James chapter 1, uh, James chapter 1 verses 1 uh, to 8, James 1 verses 1 to 8, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings, consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously uh, to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. 
He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. And of course, we all doubt from time to time, don't we? Um, And what he's talking about there is that consistency of being like a paddle boat out on the Mediterranean Ocean, consistently up and down, up and down. Um, Please forgive me, but whenever I was preparing this, I was sitting in a VOCA, and I only had my King James Version with me, so it's a slightly different version, which I am using this morning from the NIV. Um, But let's pray together. Father, as as we look at this, we just pray, God, that your Spirit would come amongst us. We pray that that you would come and touch our hearts. There may be something, Lord, we need to be challenged about. There may be something, Lord, that we need to be encouraged about. We pray that your spirit, Lord, you know our hearts. And we pray, God, that you would come and meet with us. We don't want to just read Scripture, Father. We want to pray through Scripture. And we pray that you might take something and put it on our hearts that we might pray about it this week and pray it into our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So uh, General de Gaulle, he was the president of France and he hated modern art, but he, he was asked to go and open an ex- art expedi- exhibition of Picasso paintings. Now, Picasso, you probably know what they look like. They all look a bit out of focus and everything, a bit weird looking. But he was, this general was really rude. He was very rude, moving from painting to painting in this exhibition. He used such, such uh, comments as ugly, hideous, horrific, revolting. And on his way out, he was tired of looking at these paintings and he hardly glanced at what he assumed was the final picture. That's especially ugly. And he walked out the door, and the man showing him around came after him running, and he says, no, actually, General, that was a mirror, not a painting. (laughs) (laughs) And the Bible could be referred to as a mirror. It often shows us who we are, and sometimes it's not a pretty picture. The letter of James is, is the type of letter which can slap you in the face. Very challenging. It's the type of letter which can make you ask serious questions of where you stand in your Christian faith. Questions such as, how good are you at controlling your tongue? Or, you say you have faith? Show me. Or, what's your life here on earth really about when it comes down to the bottom line? The people of God, they need this stirring letter. And James is putting them through their paces. He's preparing them for what's ahead. They need to know what they believe. They need to know why they believe it. Because persecution has already come knocking on their door, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. You'll notice that James is writing to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. Um, Verse 1. This is referring to Christians from the 12 tribes of Israel. At this point... uh, all of the Christians were Jewish, so they're all from the 12 tribes of Israel. Acts 8 and 9, um, if you read there, you'll see the stoning of Stephen, where he challenges the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and it costs him his life, and he is stoned to death. 
And Saul, who we knew who, when he was converted, became Paul. He was standing, holding the coats of everyone that was doing the stoning. But it's from that point on, persecution began against the Christians. Um, but something very positive came out of it. In that it got the followers of Jesus Christ out of their comfort zone, out of their comfortable homes in Jerusalem, and got them to go into different towns and different communities to try and run away from the persecution that was going on in Jerusalem. And we're told in Acts that everywhere they went, every town, every community, every land, they preached the gospel. So little house churches were being set up all over the place. So God used that. James, uh, as the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem, he sends this letter to all these 12 tribes to encourage them to live out the gospel, to live out consistently what they've learned about Jesus Christ. Uh, but such a letter, we might sit back this morning and think, well, that's not really for us. Well, that would be untrue because it is for you also. James writes, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, the New Testament Greek word for various is a beautiful term. It literally means multicolored, multicolored trials of all types, of all colors, of all varieties. And you can identify with that. Now, their, their persecution, worried about getting home, worried about their families, worried about what's our future hold, how can we get back to Jerusalem? When's this persecution going to stop? That's their trial then. But your trial and my trials are very different. And James says, this, this letter isn't just for people under persecution. It's for people who have multicolored a variety of trials. So that, encourage, that, 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 that is for each and every one of us. Um, you know, went on holiday last week in Avuka. Uh, I think we got the wettest week of the year. I've never heard, honestly, I've never heard rain like it. Um, and then, of course, on Friday when we packed up to come home, the sun came out and you could have sat sunbathing. But uh, it was heavy, heavy, heavy rain. Um, last week, Norman spoke of a Bob Dylan song called The Times They Are a Changing. I want to refer to another Bob Dylan song this morning called A Hard Rains Are Gonna Fall. But where have you been, my blue-eyed son? But where have you been, my darling young one? I've stumbled on the side of 12 misty mountains. I've walked and I've crawled on six crooked highways. I've stepped in the middle of seven sad forests. I've been in, out in front of a dozen dead oceans. I've been 10,000 miles in the mouth of a graveyard, and it's a hard, and it's a hard, it's a hard, and it's a hard, and it's a hard rains are going to fall. Life is tough at times. Life is cruel at times. And there will always be storms that come. No one escapes the hard rain. At some time in each person's life, the hard rain's going to fall. But when clouds cover the sun, it doesn't mean that the sun 
has gone altogether. Likewise, in times of trials, we may not be able to see God, but it doesn't mean he's not there. Behind the clouds, the sun keeps shining. Above the darkness of a trial, God keeps working, working in your life. So here James speaks of two helpful tools, which can be ours if we want them. You can't buy them in a shop, and I just want to look at them briefly. Number one, it's, uh, there's patience. Number two is wisdom, both of which I believe come from being in a place of prayer with the Lord. But patience, he, he writes, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, multicolored trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces Patience. You know, patience is a word in, our, in society today that we don't tend to like. You know, in generations going by, our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, they lived on very little. And anything they did own, they went out and they worked at it, and they saved for it, and they sweat for it, and when they got it, they appreciated it all the more. But today, there are many people... Um, they want what they haven't worked for and they wanted yesterday. Patience is not something which comes easy today. Sometimes it's incredibly hard to be patient, especially when it's your health that's involved. You know, when a trial comes, we want to get it sorted out. We want to get up and we want to get on with our own lives. Don't we? It's only natural. We want to get it out of the road and we want to get on. But being impatient is being in a place or a situation where we don't want to be. These folk that we're reading about this morning, those that are persecuted, put out of their homes, thrown into prison, beaten, they want to get back to their families again. They want to get back to their homes again. They want to get their lives up again, started over. But sometimes God's blessings and God's strength is found amidst the trials. James writes, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience is something which James seems is very helpful to have in your tool bag. How many times does God tell us in Scripture to wait? They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. To wait on the Lord, Psalm 27, be of good courage. He'll strengthen your heart. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. And James is saying in his letter that there are qualities in you which can only be developed through testing, through trial, through storm, through hard rain. You know, we need to learn to wait on God. To pray and wait and wait and pray. The discipline of waiting, waiting for God's direction, waiting for God's strength, 
resisting the temptation to rush ahead in our own strength. You know, a trial which feels like an urgent to you now may be something God is using to develop something beautiful in your life. A natural pearl. How's a natural pearl formed? Well, when an irritant, or for example, just an old piece of food goes into a mollusk, it causes an irritation in the mollusk, and the mollusk adds layer upon layer upon layer of this fluid, and the result is it creates this beautiful pearl in the mollusk. It's a precious, precious pearl is formed which wouldn't have been formed without the irritant. God, in times of trial, may be doing something beautiful in you that couldn't be done unless you were going through this trial. So don't lose hope. Don't be discouraged if you're going through a difficult patch at the moment. Because without that irritant, a pearl would not have been formed. And sometimes, James is saying here, patience is one example where God is able to develop something beautiful in you, an ability to wait on him, an ability to pray and listen and wait for his reply instead of running out of his presence, but waiting for him to guide you, to do something beautiful in you that you wouldn't be doing if you weren't going through this difficult time. James writes, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, that means mature and complete, lacking nothing. The second tool is wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, he says, let him ask of God. I heard about a preacher when he was speaking about Jesus Christ. Someone in the audience threw up a piece of crumpled paper up on the stage. So he went over and he opened it up, and he looked at it, and in it said, full, full. A preacher's very clever. He was very quick off the mark. He says, I've often received letters with a message, but no signature on them. But this is the first time I've ever received a letter with no message, but only a signature. Is it foolish to follow Christ? Many people think Christians are fools. Is it foolish to follow Jesus Christ. The first nine chapters of Proverbs, King Solomon tells his son that he sees two roads. He sees one leads to wisdom and the other road leads to folly. One leads to life and the other leads to death. He pleads with the son to take the road that leads to wisdom. And he tells him that the very basis of wisdom is to be found in God himself. Proverbs 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, this is not a cringing terror. The greatest command, the most frequent command in all of Scripture is do not fear. God doesn't want you to be frightened or scared. This is not a cringing fear. This is a reverent fear of obedience before him. And Solomon tells his son, Wisdom begins with God, with that reverent fear of him. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, 
It's something I ask regularly for because I need it. And I think if you're honest, you'll admit that you need it. And it's a very serious request because it's something which comes from God's heart. It's not something which comes from man's head. It's not about intelligence. It's not something you can attain at university. You can have as many degrees as a thermometer and still be a fool. James in chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, he refers to two types of wisdom, an earthly wisdom and a wisdom that's from above, a heavenly wisdom, a wisdom that comes from the heart of God. And earthly wisdom is not really a wisdom because it leads us into all sorts of trouble. It's self-seeking, James says. It's sensual. It's even demonic. He says it's a breeding ground for every confusion and every type of evil. But he says there is a wisdom which is from above, from the heart of God, which is first, he says, pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. You know, when I read that, I thought, that's describing Christ here. The wisdom of God, which is a heavenly wisdom, is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. God, please give us this wisdom. We need it in our personal lives. We need it in our leadership, in our church lives. Please, God, give us this wisdom. I remember when I was a child getting a bike for a present. I don't remember many of my presents, uh, but I remember this bike. It was a beautiful blue bike and a big uh, wheels on it, big handlebars on it. I could try to do wheelies and all sorts of things. When I loved it. and It was fast. It was easy to turn. It was brilliant for doing skids on. And what my friends and I we used to do, I don't know, maybe, maybe you did the same, but we, we used to collect these football cards. You paid like 2.5p or something. You got a packet of football cards with a big bit of chewing gum in them. And uh, it was wonderful if you liked the smell of chewing gum because all of your cards smelt of chewing gum. And it was lovely. But what, what we used to do, just with players that we didn't like, we used to take those cards and we used to use a, a, a clothes peg and I would put it to the back of the bike, just on the back frame, so that as the wheel went round in the back frame, it sounded like an engine. It, went it sounded like it was really powerful. But I'm sure I don't need to tell you that... Um, that uh, when I put those on, it didn't give me any more power to my bike. I wasn't able to do a, a, an evil Knievel any further than what I did before. It made the sound of an engine without the power. It made a sound of an engine, but it lacked the power. Sometimes busyness in a church although it can be good, but sometimes it can cover up a spiritual deficiency in a body of believers. Busyness can sound like a spiritual energy. It might sound like that without the power. You know, programs and busyness can make the noise of a prospering and very vibrant church. 
but only the heartbeat of the church can be really heard in the place of prayer. May God give us the wisdom to know the difference. The term as we move into this, this term, as we move into a new church year, I'll be calling for prayer on certain evenings. I just haven't worked it out yet, but in this term, and I would like you to make every effort to come. Um, an evening we're going to focus on the children's work and the young people. Another evening praying for our Kirk session and for committee. Another evening praying for our community. Another evening praying for global mission. And praying and waiting and waiting and praying for God's guidance. Waiting and making sure that God is one step ahead of us and not the other way round. Without prayer, what God is doing amongst us will begin to seize up like a broken down engine. So I would really plead and urge you to try to come as we spread those prayer meetings. I will try to accommodate. And if you can't get because you don't have a lift, we'll get you a lift. But please come to those. Lord, please give us wisdom. And start with giving us the wisdom to pray, to find out what you want to do in this place, to seek your face and not leave you standing at the door. But let me close just by unveiling who wrote this letter. Who was James? It's widely believed that James was, in fact, the brother of Jesus. And yet, while he grew up with Jesus, I'm sure he followed his life with great interest and grieved at his death. Yet he didn't believe that his big brother was the long-awaited Messiah. It wasn't until after Christ's resurrection, and Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, that when Christ was risen, he went to see, he saw Peter, and then the 12 disciples, and then over 500 brethren he appeared to at once. But then Paul writes, and it's a lovely little personal note, he writes, after that he was seen by James. He goes to see his brother face to face. It's a personal mission. And James becomes a committed follower of Jesus Christ and a servant of him. And in his letter, he tells us to pray for wisdom. Advice from a man who himself prayed and was renowned for praying. Central part of his life was prayer. And he became known as the man with camel's knees because he was on his knees so often his knees became calloused and hard. I was thinking about that during the week. May that increasingly be each of our testimonies and our legacy to our children. Pray. Ask God for wisdom. Let's pray.
Father, we recognize that this church belongs to no one, only you. And Father, we want to make sure that you are central, that Christ is exalted, that Christ becomes greater and we, becomes, we become less. Lord, that little phrase about our queen kept coming out in interviews over the last couple of days where she'd said, it's not about me. Well, Lord, what we do here, we enjoy our fellowship and we want to serve you, but it's not about us. It's about you. It's about you having your way in this place about you having your reign in our hearts as king and for you to move in us to richly encourage us, strengthen us, and live through us in this community. We pray that you would have your way amongst us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to stand and we're going to worship God with... Um, well, actually, it is. I've actually picked another song, I just realized. But let's stand, because some of you will know it. And there might be something in your life, and you've been praying about it for a long time, and you haven't had an answer yet. Just settle your heart with God this morning. It's called, I will wait for you. Just settle your heart that God will answer you one day in his time. And he will do what is pricelessly best for you. Let's stand. And even if you don't know the song, just contemplate and think about it. If you do know it, please feel along, feel free to sing along with it. It's called I Will Wait For You by Keith and Christine.
the rest of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of God's Holy Spirit be with us all this week, now and forevermore. Amen.